It's the 2024 season opener, Bahrain, celebrating 20 years of F1 racing. And this time, the season will open up on a Saturday night or Saturday morning, depending on where you live around the world. If you've been paying attention to preseason testing, you may have gotten the impression that some of the teams are really optimistic about their future. So is that real? We'll go over it in the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiree. Thanks for joining us. We'll give you the things to watch for this weekend. We'll also do track talk going over the Bahrain circuit and some other news and notes this offseason from the F1 paddock. One personal note that I do want to get to, and that is if you've been following along this podcast, this is our fourth season, but last year in particular, I had to stop the podcast short. I got a neck injury around the time of the Singapore Grand Prix. I think it was the last podcast I recorded. I didn't need surgery surgery, but I was in a lot of pain, a lot of physical therapy, and I was doing a three-hour sports radio show every morning. I was just barely getting through that before I had to just sort of get some pain relief. I just didn't have the time to get all the writing and all the, the commentary that I wanted to get down for the podcast, the editing and whatnot, so I concentrated on getting healthy. I committed the cardinal sin of podcasting. I didn't stay consistent, and I didn't update people. I should have just done a quick podcast for the subscribers subscribers saying, hey, I'm down for the count. I do apologize. I'm a one-man show, so there's not going to be a replacement host for this. That was on me. That's a lesson learned, and I hope to not repeat that going forward. So if you are and stayed with the subscription, thank you so much. If you're brand new to this podcast, I do want to let you know that I'm very dedicated to this, and I do apologize for last season's sort of abrupt decision to stop the podcast as we were heading into the final stretch of the 2023 year. So let's get to the Bahrain Grand Prix. And as, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of optimism from some of the teams when it came to preseason testing and some of the results that they were getting in practice this going into this weekend. Yeah, if you remember last year, for example, Mercedes Garage was Lewis Hamilton saying he didn't like the car. Ferrari didn't particularly care for their car either. And then this year, both are really, really happy with what they're bringing to the 2024 season. So the enthusiasm, I mean, hello, you can pour this on pancakes. It's so syrupy. I mean, it really is. But in reality, we all know that this is the world of Max Verstappen and Red Bull. 2024 doesn't look any different than the last two years. The RB20 looks great. Surprise, surprise. No one expected otherwise. I mean, Adrian Newey is still in charge of designing the car. But let's not discount these other teams. I mean, they're really trying to chase this beast. And it is a noble effort for sure. But is it really important to the sport that we do have a competitive 2024 when we didn't in 2022 and we didn't in 2023? I mean, look, this sport celebrates its great dominating seasons, whether it's Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, of course. But Verstappen won 19 of the 22 races that were on the calendar. And for a lot of people, that was just a bit much. Now, if you're a new Formula One fan and you jumped in during the 2020 COVID season because of Drive to Survive or whatnot, it may have been like, when you hit 2021 and you saw this great duel in Abu Dhabi, if you think that that was going to be on the table every single year, well, good news for you, that's not really the case. Sure, we've had great championship fights in the sport, but a lot of the times we do get years where one particular driver is showcasing his car in a way that others are not, and everyone is chasing that team and that driver. Right, Just before, just before Verstappen started taking the reins of the sport, we were having the same discussion about Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. So, again, is it good for the sport that we get some racing back? Yeah, right? I mean, but again, this isn't like NASCAR. 
Which brings me to, if you're an American listener, you may have seen some of the people who follow and love NASCAR taking their shots at Formula One fans. Because at the Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend, we had a three-way finish at the line, like a photo finish at the line with Daniel Suarez winning the race, just edging the tip of his car in front of Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney. And then they're saying, well, this is what real racing is. This is, this is, this is not Verstappen winning by 50 seconds. Well, yeah, that's true. But also, Formula One is about not only the driver, world-class best drivers in the world. This is also an engineering sport. This is a sport that celebrates its constructors' championship better than any other racing series. It is about the men and women behind the machines. It's about the design of the car. It's about the overall season and keeping that car in tip-top shape and in tip-top performance. It celebrates that as well as the drivers' championship, if not so more. More money is given to the constructors' champions than they are to the drivers' individual champions, because that's what the sport really is. It's a thousand-person team working around the clock, delivering the best race car on the planet. And it's not like NASCAR that is fidgeted enough with how the race is conducted right? They don't do a 10 race playoff in formula one. There's not stopping between stages and restarting the race because we're doing it in three parts rather than one part. And I'm not saying those things in NASCAR are wrong, but those are the things that NASCAR wanted to do to stay relevant in the American sports culture. All these other sports have playoffs in the United States. We'll have a playoff too. Formula One loves the consistency of its season, and it doesn't mind every now and then saying, here is the best driver in the world delivering every single race around the world. So again, do people want to get back to a competitive spirit? Of course they are. But I think this is about a chase to greatness rather than having greatness come back to the pack. I would urge Formula One not to get carried away in how you deliver the product. Celebrate Verstappen and Red Bull in a way that says, you look, this is a, a pinnacle of the sport's achievement. This will go down in history. It's one of the greatest years ever. 50 years from now, we'll be still talking about it. But let the engineers at McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, let them catch up. Aston Martin, let them catch up. And see if we can close that gap. And I think that's why there's some enthusiasm in the paddock because of what some of these teams have been showing in times in both the practice and a week ago in preseason testing. Now, one other factor that happens a little bit more here in the United States than maybe you guys are having discussions, and if you're listening around the world, thank you. Um, but the reality is here in the United States, we seem to have a media obsession with television ratings. And to the average fan, I never understood why an average fan would care about whether or not their favorite sport is doing well in the ratings or not. And I'm in the media business. I've been in broadcasting for 30 years. I'm in the ratings business. But I'm not talking about a guy like me. I'm talking about the average fan, the guy on the street who loves to watch basketball or ice hockey or soccer or football or whatever it is. And especially Formula One, when they say, oh, Formula One's television numbers are down, that's for Liberty Media to worry about. That's for ESPN to worry about. But unless it's a direct relation to getting the sport off your television, so maybe you have to buy F1 TV or you have to find another way to stream it, it doesn't really affect you. Sports is still the safest bet in television because it's DVR proof. Very, very few people DVR a live sporting event. That happens. Don't get me wrong. I've done it myself. But it doesn't happen enough. It's appointment television. 
You want to be with the other people watching the event, whether it's the NCAA Final Four, whether it's a World Series or a Super Bowl, right? And a Formula One race is no exception. So when people start talking about, well, the ratings are down in America, that just means that maybe you might have to consume the sport in another way, streaming or whatnot, but I doubt it. I highly doubt it. And who cares if a million other people are watching what you love? Who cares if a thousand people are watching what you love? If you love it, you watch it. And who cares how many people are joining you across the country or the world? All right, so that's my little rant on that. And I wanted to get that out of the way because we've got a race to talk about. We've got some things to watch for. Now, it's the beginning of the season, so this is more wide open than other points of the year when we really have specifics to watch for because of performance the previous week or some turmoil within the team. So... Let's get right to it. Some things to watch for for the 2024 Bahrain Grand Prix. Number one is Max Verstappen, and it should be number one because he's the defending champion, and he is the marker that everyone is chasing. Will the king of this sport continue to dominate? And even if he doesn't win this race for a technical issue or for whatever reason, he certainly is going to have 20 or 23 other races besides this one to figure out that RB20. But as Max is heading towards what people believe is a fourth straight world championship, this is really going to be about the teams that are chasing him. As I mentioned earlier, there's been some impressive practice times. Now, just to note, all these teams are doing it with different setups and different things they want to look for, and it doesn't always translate to race performance. We all kind of know that, but the reality is there's the optimism that I talked about. It's really starting to bubble up a little bit, but it is still Verstappen's world. Even if McLaren feels optimistic, Mercedes feels optimistic, this is still a chance to watch greatness continue to be great. Whether it was Jeff Gordon in NASCAR or Tiger Woods in golf, when the individual is doing so many good things that even if you don't like watching him win, even if you don't like him as a driver or even as a person, it doesn't matter. There's still a feeling of historically what I'm watching is pretty amazing. And we don't get to see dynasties in action all that often. And when we do love them or hate them, they do become part of the sports history. And that's why Verstappen is the key to open up the season. That's what we're watching. How good is the number one in Red Bull's camp? The second thing is Ferrari. Now, I'm going to admit this. I'm a fan of Ferrari. That's my team. That's the team I started with when I got into the sport in the 90s. And I'll admit on this show I try to not you know, show my bias towards them. If, they're, if I'm, I want to be honest about their assessment, if they're good, I'll tell you. If they're bad, I'll tell you. Now, I'm more than happy to do that because I've learned to do that over the years in criticizing my own teams in sports. But this is going to be a very interesting year for the Scuderia because, as many of you know, Lewis Hamilton is going to drive for the team next season. So that means this year, Carlos Sainz is going to be the hottest free agent that we've seen in a while. He was their only winner last year when he won at Singapore. Charles Leclerc went winless. So every race that he races for Ferrari, Carlos Sainz is basically sending out a message to the other teams. Hey, I'm open. I'm going to have a ride. I need a ride next year. My seat's going to be taken. And that kind of leaves Leclerc in a little bit of limbo. He is going to be partnered up with a seven-time champion. So this season, does he want to make his mark to sort of say, hey, listen, I'm the face of Ferrari, and it doesn't matter who's in another car, I'm still the face of Ferrari, even if that face is a guy that's worldwide, got worldwide recognition for his accomplishments. 
So I think it's going to be a very interesting season for Ferrari. They did not like their car last year. They have a better car this year by all accounts. They seem to have figured out some of the tire degradation that plagued them last season. The car looks great. It's been running well. They do well at Bahrain anyway. I want to make that point clear. This is a track that suits them anyway, but they're very optimistic and love what the car brings. Third thing to watch for in the Bahrain Grand Prix, it's not really something to watch for, but it's just something to take notice of. There's new names for the teams, but the grid is pretty much the same. There are two teams that have changed names. Alfa Romeo is now Kick Saba. They got a beautiful green black car out there. Alfa Tari is now RB, RB Racing. That's cute. I get it. Uh, but there are no slew of rookies on the grid. There's not a bunch of drivers on different teams. In fact, every team has the same driver that they had last year at this time, except for one. And that's Daniel Ricardo is in the RB seat that was occupied by Nick DeVries last season. But since Ricardo finished the year with the team, it's basically from one race at the end of last season at Abu Dhabi into this race in Bahrain. We do not have a complete driver upheaval. Last year, for example, we saw three rookies on the grid in DeVries, Logan Sargent, and Oscar Piastri. Right? So, and by the way, Logan Sargent, the clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. You guys, I'm glad they kept you on. I didn't think you would be kept on. I'm glad they kept you on. But for the sake of America, please uh, do pretty well this year if you could. Uh, help Alex Albon out a lot on that Williams machine. Fourth thing to watch for is McLaren. Otherwise, the story of McLaren. Because if there was one real surprise last season was how McLaren got a lot better as the races started to get clicked off the calendar. Remember at the beginning of the season, they were a mess. I mean, absolute a mess. They didn't do well in testing. They didn't do well in Bahrain. They didn't do well in Saudi Arabia. Those are the first two races of the season. In fact, if you look back, they managed just 17 points in the first eight races of the year. But at the end of the day, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri got that team fourth in the constructors' standings. And they became a team that you started thinking, gee, you know, if there's something happens to Verstappen or what, this team could win some races. Both drivers had podium finishes last year. So, McLaren, again, this is the hottest young team on the grid. And boy, did they really turn some things around. Now, to be fair, Norris did say they didn't make the progress they thought they were going to make heading into 2024. So let's keep an eye out on that. But otherwise, if let's see if McLaren, without a slow start, what they could actually do, even if we concede that Red Bull will win another Constructors and Drivers Championship, McLaren off to a better start than they did last year also puts Mercedes, Ferrari, and Aston Martin at risk in terms of where the, they finish in the constructors. So McLaren is a team I'm definitely watching for, not only for this race, but all season long. So those are a couple of things to watch for for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Pretty general, but again, at the beginning of the season, that's always the case. We'll get more narrowed down as the season progresses. Now it's time to do track talk. This is where we go over the circuit, some of the things to note about Saturday's Grand Prix. Bahrain has 15 turns with a long front stretch, plenty of opportunities to overtake. The drivers will have to take into account the wind. It's been pretty windy. It's kind of windy there anyway. Um, but there's a great series of turns, five through eight. There's sort of an turn that goes downhill, the quick jolt to the left, quick jolt to the right. There are also some tight corners at 9 and 10 that lead to three DRS zones. So there's the stretch coming off turn 3, then right after turn 10, kind of a short shoot, and then a long front stretch after the final turn, that's turn 15. So again, plenty of places to overtake there. The Grand Prix will be 57 laps, 
tire compounds for Saturday's race. C1 for the hards, C2 for the medium, C3 for the softs. That's the hardest in the Pirelli range. Lewis Hamilton has the most wins at Bahrain of any driver. He's won there five times, most recently in 2021. Verstappen is the defending champion, but that's his only win at this circuit. The two other drivers currently on the grid that have tasted victory in the desert, Fernando Alonso has won there three times, and Charles Leclerc won at Bahrain in 2022. All right, so let's get to two stories from this offseason. Now, normally in this podcast at this point, when we do a review, we kind of do a fun top five, bottom five from the previous race. But since we are starting the season, let's get to some stories from the offseason. The first one I mentioned earlier, and that is Lewis Hamilton will drive for Ferrari in 2025. This is fulfilling a lifelong goal of Hamilton. He's always wanted to drive for the team, and now he has a chance. How is it being seen, right? Well, there's two ways to look at the move. One, it could be a driver getting older, seeing the end, seeing father time sort of click in and him saying, I don't have very many years left in the sport, maybe by choice or maybe just by the feeling of, eh, the, it's becoming a young man's game and I better get in the dream while I still have the chance. Right. This is very similar. We see it in other sports where there's an athlete. He grows up a Yankees fan or he grows up a Laker fan or whatever it is. And he's got a chance in the latter part of his season to sign a one year contract with that team so he can don the uniform of that team. Maybe that's the case here. Does he feel, Lewis Hamilton, that Ferrari is in a position to deliver him a world championship? I sort of doubt that. I mean, look, Ferrari is trying to get better with their cars, but I don't think he's looking at Mercedes and saying, ah, my chances of winning a title here, that eighth championship, is not going to happen. So I better go to another team. That's not really that. I think it's the first part. I think it's a guy that's looking like, hey, I could stay at Mercedes forever. I'd have a great career here. I'd leave a hero. But when my days are over, am I going to look back and say, I had a chance to race for one of the most iconic teams in the history of motorsports and I didn't do it. And I think that's for Hamilton. He's thinking to himself, I have a chance. Let's get underway. Let's do this. The other story, of course, is a little bit more serious, a lot less fun. And that are the allegations made by a Red Bull employee against inappropriate and controlling behavior by Christian Horner, the team's principal. Now, Red Bull Company did an independent investigation of this, and they cleared Horner of any wrongdoing. The problem, these findings weren't really transparent. And McLaren's Zach Brown and Mercedes Toto Wolf have said they'd like to see a little bit more transparency in this process. Now, Max Verstappen says he trusts the process. Now, there was a lot of pressure on Red Bull to get this done with prior to the start of the season so it wasn't hanging over the sport. Now, where that pressure was coming from, I don't know. Probably the FIA, probably the Liberty Media, for all we know, that wants to just make sure we're focusing on racing going forward. But the reality of it is these are serious accusations. And now we are living in a world where we are really taking these accusations a lot more seriously than we've ever had before. And so I'm wondering, I'm with Zach Brown and Toto Wolf on this. I'd like to see a little bit more transparency. Christian Horner is a very powerful figure in this sport. He's been the team principal at Red Bull since its inception. He's only 50 years old. So he's been a powerful figure in the sport for a very, very long time. We're close to 20 years. He's been an important figure in this sport. But it's not only raised the ire of Zach Brown and Toto Wolf. Ford wants to know a little bit more about this as well. They've got a 2026 engine agreement with Red Bull that's coming. And they, of course, want to know more details of these allegations. And especially the process that led to the clearing of Horner. 
Now, the woman in question has the right to appeal. Whether she does or not remains to be seen. Now, full disclosure, at the time of the recording of this podcast, there is a story that's breaking that there are files related to this misconduct investigation that were widely distributed through an anonymous email to people in the paddock as well as executives within Formula One and the FIA. Now, Horner has denied anything wrong. He has, of course, stood by his ground that says he denies any of these accusations. But this is a new developing story where people on the paddock have gotten pictures of text messages and pictures that were sent between the two parties. Now, if this reopens the investigation or we are still talking about this by the time the end of the race going into next week remains to be seen. And I'll certainly be covering that as this story does develop. Now, lack of transparency in these kind of investigations, and I've seen it in other sports, kind of goes two ways here. One, you want to protect the integrity of the investigation. So by giving full transparency, you're kind of showcasing what you're looking at, why you're looking at it, what the process is, so you just don't come out magically one day and say, hey, by our findings, we find this guy innocent, or we are suspending him, or we are parting ways with him, without anybody really knowing why, right? So the, the lack of transparency is almost sort of self-evident here. You'd want transparency for if you're, from an outsider looking in just to make sure that everyone is getting some fair treatment in the process. The Christian Horner is treated fairly by the accusations and that the woman making the accusations, her voice is also heard properly. Now, again, just because you have full transparency doesn't mean that Christian Horner won't be found that he didn't do anything wrong. I think that's sort of the misconception. It's almost like because there's no transparency, there's something to hide and they're almost like sweeping it under the rug. That's why you'd want full transparency. But at the same time, right, at the same time, sometimes you don't want everybody to know everything if you are the parties that be. If you're the woman making the accusation, you don't want to open yourself up to this sort of public scrutiny. You keep it as private as much as you can, even though many people within the F1 paddock know the woman's name and know who she is. This is not something that gets worldwide attention, that's sort of kept quiet. And for Christian Horner's sake, his side of the story can also be be protected within the walls of the company and not out for public scrutiny as well. Now, listen, I'm on the side of full transparency here. I do understand, again, I'm not a legal scholar, but I understand why you would make it a private investigation. But I look at the globalness of this sport. And again, he's too powerful of a person to have somebody just come out and say, he's all clear. And we just sort of take their word for it. There's a lot of rumors going around. And I know that Max Verstappen's father has been involved in whether or not he had something to do with this because there's a power struggle going on within Red Bull. The Verstappens really like Helmut Marco and they're not particularly fond of Christian Horner. All of sorts of these kind of things have been going around for a while. But optic wise, this is a terrible look for Red Bull. It, a terrible look for Red Bull. We're living again in an environment where we want to take these accusations seriously. We want people to come forward if they feel like they have been harassed or mistreated or any sort of conduct. It doesn't matter what it is that's inappropriate. We want to know that there is an avenue to take this to a higher level and it'll be treated fairly. This may have been treated fairly, but because we don't have the transparency, we don't know for sure. And that is, that is a problem. 
All right. So like I said, as this story progresses and gets more and more attention, if there's more stuff to add, we will certainly discuss it on future podcasts. But let's go racing Saturday. It's the season opener of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Not Sunday, Saturday we'll be racing and we will have a review of this Grand Prix coming up early next week. If you're new to the podcast, I hope you'll consider subscribing. Give it a thumbs up, a five-star review. It helps us with the algorithms. I did lose subscribers when I sort of cut my season short last year due to the injury. I'm trying to build that back up again. It's going to take some time. I could certainly use your help. So I really do appreciate everything that you have done for this podcast in the three years going on for that we have done it. Review of the race coming up next week. Enjoy it, everybody. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for listening. This is the Overtake F1 Podcast. 